Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. On his way to the end zone. I'll tell you what, that was a spectacular play. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. What a play! Off to the races! Some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, Heath, and Ben. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the show today on Fantasy Football Today. Can Devontae Smith be great in this Eagles offense? Do you remember C.D. Lamb? We're going to see if we can remember anything that he did in 2021. It's been a while. And Aaron Rodgers or Lamar Jackson in 2022? We've got some rankings disputes and one question for each losing team. Before we get to that... Jamie, on a scale of 0 to 10, how would you rate Wild Card Weekend, and why is it a 2? <laughs> it was crappy. <laughs> it was bad. Um, do we really need another playoff team? I mean, can we go back to 6 and, and make two buys so we get a little bit more of, uh, you know, the better teams rested and ready to go at the end? Uh, you know, it was, it was unfortunate. You know, there was, there was too many lopsided scores, and, and even some of the closer scores, the games were, you know, not exactly competitive throughout. So, yeah, I, I would say 2 is fair. And you know me, I'm usually optimistic about yeah. these things. <laughs> yeah, bad. yeah, I mean, <laughs> bad. We all, I think, need to have a conversation about how much the Raiders screwed us over in that regard. Just kick the oh, field goal so we don't have to watch the Steelers in the playoffs. <laughs> it's a good point. It's a good point. If like, it, how much more fun would it have been to watch Justin Herbert and Patrick Mahomes <laughs> on Saturday than Ben Roethlisberger? Let's talk about the four seven seeds that we have had so far in the expanded playoffs. This year... The Eagles and the Steelers got blown out. Uh, last year, I'm look, I just looked this up. This Jamie said, do we really need to expand the playoffs? Do you remember who the seven seeds were last year? Uh, I would not seven have. Seeds, seven seeds last year. Uh, one of them played the Bills, and one of them played the Saints. One of them played the Bills. Oh. Gave, no, I don't remember. Gave the Bills a game. It was the Colts. They lost 27-24. Oh, yeah, the Colts were a good one last year. Yeah, it was solid. The other one was Bears. was the Bears, yeah, and they stunk. Uh, they lost twenty-one to nine in a very boring game. So yeah, I think uh, there's maybe something to that. Let's go. We don't need seven teams. Well, I mean, those markets obviously were happy to get their teams in the playoffs, but sure, yeah, and I'm sure the NFL was as well. Uh, all right, so we're gonna talk fantasy here, and most importantly, huge thing right now: seven seconds of your day. You might be able to do it in less than that. If you're listening, please, it would mean a lot to us if you could just hit pause and, and take however five to ten seconds and vote for Fantasy Football Today to win the FSGA Best Social Media Award. So that's all of the Ask FFT, and that's all of the cool things our social team did, and that's everything we do on social throughout the year. Uh, you know, we think we, that we think we did a great job. We hope you agree. Please vote for us, FSGA Best Social Media Award. If you're watching on YouTube, there's a link in the chat. If you're listening, I put a link in the episode description at the top of the episode description. If I forgot, hope I didn't. If I forgot, it's in last week's episodes. Um, so please take a second and uh, and vote for us uh, on the FSGA Best Social Media Award. And it really, it is so quick. You click a link, you click FFT, you click submit, you're done. 
Let's do uh, some fantasy talk from the six games this weekend. Jamie, who is the biggest fantasy winner in your mind? You know, I hope this is twofold. Uh, one in regards to the guy who's a winner, one in, the regard, one in regards to the guy who I hope has the same path, and that's Cam Akers. Uh, and, and the second part of that would be James Robinson. But, you know, just watching Cam Akers run, my God, uh, what Achilles tear. I mean, he just looks so explosive, you know, so uh, forget about the stats, you know, just watching the way that he looked. Uh, and I'm cheating, obviously, because it wasn't the weekend. Um, but in any event, uh, just just the 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 eyeball test. He's back, you know, and he's he's going to be fun next year. Uh, they'll move on from Sony Michelle as a free agent. If they bring him back, that'll be a little bit of a frustrating situation. But um, he'll be the lead back for the Rams next season. At least that's, again, the expectation. And um just, just can't wait to uh, see a full season of K-Makers like we thought we were going to get this year before that uh, unfortunate injury in late July. Mm-hmm. And I don't agree with you, and Jamie. And the same injury, obviously. Yeah, I don't agree with you because it was a weekend. It was a three-day weekend, so I think you're fine there okay. uh, with that. Uh, <laughs> Chris and I were talking about this on FFT and 5. Chris, I, I took K-Makers 28th overall, fourth pick mm-hmm. of round three. In a full PPR draft, that's last the week. lowest he's going to go in any draft. <laughs> yeah, I was I was on. doing cartwheels. I was well, I can't do cartwheels. I was happy, but yeah. Where, where do you think he should go if uh, we're drafting today? Where do I think he should go? Uh, yeah, I think he's probably a second rounder. Uh, I think anywhere between eighteen and twenty four probably makes sense. I think I'd still rather have, you know, like. I don't know if he'll be a top twelve running back for me for sure. He'll be in that range, and then there's probably. You know, five or six wide receivers, maybe two or three tight ends who I'd rather have, at least two tight ends. So I think he'll be right in that late second round range. Just yeah, he's going probably before, I would guess Kelsey and Andrews go before him, but I think he'll go before every other tight end. Um, I think he's going to end up in the first round. Just Akers? the way everybody's talking about him mm, right now. No, maybe Akers it's just recency bias and the overreaction, but yeah, people... As a talent, I think people really like him. It's a great situation. Well, he was he was a borderline first rounder this year, yeah. so I, I can't imagine the people that were on the fence are going to take him in the first round. Not over, you know, depending on what P- Pittsburgh does with his quarterback situation, the receivers that are now going to be in the first round. I think he's a second round pick, but like just just for the basis of our our draft that you referenced, Adam, uh, I took Antonio Gibson at the end of round two. There's no chance I would take Gibson over Akers. Now. Well, could have told you that, huh? All right, biggest loser. Biggest loser, Chris, who was it from a fantasy standpoint? I think it's got to be CeeDee Lamb. Okay, now, I mean, if, if you wouldn't mind, since CeeDee Lamb was the one guy I was going to ask you about when we talked about Dallas, do you have a backup loser? Or would you like to talk about Lamb? I can come up with You know what? I'll come up with a backup Dallas question. You talk about CeeDee Lamb. Go ahead. Yeah, I don't know if there was another, uh, if there was another one that, that seemed as obvious. So, I mean, I guess we could talk about Kyler Murray. Let's do that then. Kyler Murray. Um, this is... Two years in a row that he's faded in the second half of the season. Last year, he had the shoulder injury. This year, there was that ankle injury, but he came back and rushed pretty well. So I don't know how much that was uh, a factor, but he just, he was awful yesterday. This offense has fallen apart two years in a row in the second half. No DeAndre Hopkins plays a role, but even then, like, he should be better than 137 yards on 34 attempts. Uh, One of the worst pick sixes you'll ever see in this game, and he just... He hasn't looked right for a while. I I think I ended up with him at six in my quarterback rankings, and he'll probably stay there just because the rushing potential is so great. But I don't know. He hasn't quite quite made the leap that I hoped for as like a real quarterback. And even in fantasy, you know, outside of the first 
what, eight games last season, he hasn't been quite as good as we hoped either. So just not a great showing for him. Jamie, you have him seventh. Everybody's, I, I was the high guy. Chris currently have him fifth with Brady yeah. six. Uh, I was the high guy with Murray at three. That is a tough one to justify right now after that performance. But it was really all about Hopkins to me. I do think uh, he needs a receiver upgrade, whether, whether it's just Hopkins coming back or whatever they do. But what do you think, Jamie? Yeah. About No, that receiving core is going to get somewhat overhauled, I would assume. You yeah. know, I can't imagine Christian Kirk is taking a, a cheap deal after the year that he just put up in a market that is going to be begging for wide receivers. Um, A.J. Green, who knows what happens there, but obviously he is a year older and, and, and clearly on the decline in his career. Uh, Zach Ertz is a free agent. We got to see what happens there. You know, so those are three key parts of what this team is. Now, obviously, you hope Rondell Moore takes a step forward. Uh, that would be nice to see, and and I'm sure they'll be aggressive. They've been aggressive in the last two off seasons, getting Hopkins, bringing in Green, you know, drafting Rondell Moore. So they know they're 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 in, and and bringing in Ertz. So they're they're definitely aggressive. Steve Kimes a very aggressive general manager. So they need to have uh, you know some other options there. But is DeAndre Hopkins going to be DeAndre Hopkins again? You know, is he going to be the the version that we saw, which I know is what you're banking on, Adam, that he was good for Murray, not necessarily great for himself. Uh, so that's a big part of it, clearly. But, you know, at some point, and, and Chris, you referenced this, you know, when does the injury become a big one? You know, when does it become more serious? Because he's small and he runs. You know, and so those are two things that are working against him. And he, I don't want to say he struggles as a pocket passer, but you see the flaws for him as a pocket passer. He backs out of clean pockets because he can't see. He moves in the pocket, which helps to a certain extent, but hurts him to a certain extent as well because, again, of his size. And so if his receivers are not winning and his coaching staff is not putting those guys in places to have you know, better routes, uh, which I think also is part of it as well, then he's going to struggle. You know? So uh, when the rushing starts to you know, fade, which is just the nature of what these guys do, you, know, you look over time of, of, of running quarterbacks, and Russell Wilson you know, is, is a great example of it. You know, as, as they get better, which I think he's going to get better, uh, but as the running declines, where does his fantasy ceiling decline? You know, and so that's the thing you have to worry about with somebody like Kyler. So he's going to be a number one quarterback. He's going to be somebody that can help you win a championship. If he plays 16 games like we see in the first, you know, eight to 10 over the last two seasons, you'll be thrilled. But I think you also have to worry about, you know, maybe the, the, the potential pitfalls that could come, especially if the offseason is bad as well. And he threw the shortest pick six in postseason history. To a player whose last name is Long, so great irony. Yeah, it there. was. Uh, and over the last eight games of the season, the final eight games of the season, he had seven touchdowns, seven interceptions. So uh, that's pretty bad. But almost all of those were without Hopkins. Uh, yes. And then, yeah, unless you're counting the. You're talking well, about one the, of them was the, the game he got game? hurt, and yeah. then uh, yeah, I think all but one game, maybe two games, were without Hopkins. Okay. All right, uh, some news and notes. Jerry Jones could replace Mike McCarthy, according to Jason Locke and Fora. Kellen Moore could be an option there. Uh, we'll see what the Cowboys do after that disappointing loss. Ezekiel Elliott played through a partially torn PCL. We knew he had a bad injury. It was obvious. I just, all the coaching decisions that you could talk about, obviously, with the QB sneak and, and whatever, they did themselves a real disservice by playing Zeke over Pollard. Wait, what are you doing? You know, he's not said, a good running back in this st- in this state with a total well, PCL. He's not a good runner. He was a great pass blocker. Did that all season long despite the knee injury. He was very good catching passes out of the backfield. They should have uh, made him a third down back. You know, the, it, it was it was not going to happen because you're not going to take somebody who's making that money that's on the field and say you're the third down guy and Pollard's the the 
the first and second down guy. Oh, that's, those are the tough decisions you have to make if you want to win. That's what they should have done. Yeah. That, that's 100% what they should have done. Yeah. Um, I'd say it's pretty low on the list of things that went wrong for the Cowboys, though. But I'm not talking about just that game. I'm talking about the last Right, but even the then, like the passing games, game fading in the second half of the season is a much bigger deal and a much bigger question mark moving forward. I think if you could run the ball a little bit better, it would help your passing game. Who's yeah. respecting Well, they Zeke? also had offensive line concerns. I mean, Tyron Smith was in and out of the lineup. You know, uh, Lyle Collins, you know, struggled a little bit down the stretch. You know, so they had they had definite flaws that need to be fixed. I don't know if they can be fixed, you know, especially with some of the money that's being spent on that team. Um, but it's going to, you know, I, I'd be surprised they moved on from Mike McCarthy. Obviously, JLC, you know, knows more than I do. But, you know, it's one of those decisions, I think, that, you know, and, and, and you're going to see probably some teams may struggle with this. You know, you have the assistant who's, Clearly going to get a lot of attention. You know, in their case, they have two. Uh, do they want to lose both of them? You know, Kellen Moore and Dan Quinn, because I'm going to guess Dan Quinn's getting a job. And Kellen Moore might as well. By the way, Tyron Smith, their fantastic left tackle. He has now missed at least three games in six straight seasons. It is something that you have to evaluate with the Cowboys. Their line is getting older. Dak, especially. Yeah. Uh, Derrick Henry's status for this weekend is still uncertain. We're hoping he plays, but they haven't committed to that. Tampa Bay right tackle Tristan Wirfs has a has an injury that what was that a ankle injury? Ankle. He's in a walking boot. And their center Ryan Jensen also hurt his ankle, I believe. So two offensive line injuries for them. As they will face the 49ers this week. Uh, no. no Rams. The Rams. The Rams, sorry. Nick Bosa for the 49ers. Nick Bosa's in the concussion protocol. Fred Warner has an ankle injury. Their linebacker, he says he's going to play. Cincinnati defensive end Trey Hendrickson is in the concussion protocol, and their defensive tackle Larry Ogunjobi is out with a foot injury. He's out for the rest of the season. The Associated Press, they do a recap of every game, and they have an injury section, and they, you know, they'll write the team, and then they'll say the injuries. And for the Steelers, they just wrote, Steelers, their ego was severely bruised. <laughs> so I thought that was kind of funny. And then Mark Cabali of The Athletic says, all signs point to Mason Rudolph as Pittsburgh's starting quarterback in 2022. Please no. We will talk about that when we talk about Najee Harris in just a little bit. And Seattle Fire defensive coordinator Ken Norton. Uh, one question for each losing team from the weekend. We'll sort of recap their season by talking about one player. Perfect. Josh Jacobs. Let's talk about him for the Raiders. He has been a top 12 running back two straight seasons, although this year he was 18th per game in non-PPR, 14th per game in full PPR. Did anybody have Josh Jacobs as a top 12 running back in their rankings, Jamie? Do you remember? Uh, nobody did. Uh, I don't think. I'll, I'll check while we're talking, but I don't okay. believe so. Um, but, I, you know, he's going to be just like he was this year, I think, you know, just a great value pick. You know, whether you get him in the third round or the fourth round, this year he was a fourth round pick based on ADP and clearly outperformed that. Um, you know, there, there are clearly a lot of question marks here. Uh, who's the quarterback? Obviously, who's the coach? Because um, Carr can move on. So... We'll, we'll find out, you know, what the Raiders look like, but he's, I, I think, still in a very good spot. You know, I, I, the, the panic, which may have played out of, you know, Kenyon Drake playing the full season uh, is, is, is certainly something you could debate, but he just seems to deliver. You know, he might not end up being a superstar, uh, but he's still a very good fantasy option, a very good running back in the league. Okay, let's check in where he went in the draft we did last week. And it is... 46th overall to Dave, who yep. said that Dave Dave said he has Jacobs 13th in his rankings. Um, his role in the passing game, Chris, was was unexpected, unexpectedly yep. huge. And some of it was Kenyon Drake's injury, but it really started before that, actually. He just started taking mm -hmm. over that role. That would obviously be a game changer. But he's also a guy who 
very rarely pops a big play. It's two years in a row without a 30-yard carry. I think a lot of that's well, the offensive playoffs line. He playoffs, he had a 35-yard run, was his longest carry in two seasons. Um, so, Chris, as you evaluate Josh Jacobs, you know, he was pretty dynamic his rookie year. It hasn't been the same the last two years. He gets a lot of volume. You know, but it, what do you think, round three pick? Yeah, I think three or four sounds about right. The passing game role, I think, is going to be crucial because unless things really change for that offensive line and get back to where it was his rookie season, I think he's probably going to be you know, a, a middling volume-dependent rusher. But if he can be a you know, four to five targets per game guy instead of the two to three targets per game guy he was for most of the first couple of years of his career, then yeah, I think he can absolutely be a, a high to mid-end RB2. I don't, I don't know how much upside there is beyond that, but, you know, it's worth pointing out, after John Gruden resigned, he had nine games out of 11, including the playoffs, with at least four targets. He only had eight in his first uh, two seasons combined, so... That was a pretty significant change, and maybe the coaching change played a part in that. That yeah. would be, a, I think, a good sign. And in wins, the splits are so crazy. In wins, he averaged 17.25 carries per game. In losses, 11.2 carries per game. And that includes two wins that he left early with injuries. And in 2020, he averaged 22.3 carries per game in wins, 14.6 in losses. So you- the game script and the role in the passing game is huge. Do you have anything to put that in context? Because I think most people would assume teams that are winning running backs have more carries. Uh, then in that regard, no, I don't. <laughs> well, let me look at like Najee Harris, who you know was on a, another All, nine wins. He also huge, and that's why that's why he's going to be worth discussing for sure. Uh, his splits were very different. Because um, it's rare, like you get like a Derrick Henry where they still feed him when he's lo- when they're losing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Right, but if you but but that's like if you have no big playability and you average four yards per carry, if you're on a bad team, it's a that's a recipe for disaster. The Raiders are better than I think they're going to be every year, but um, you know if Derek Carr's not back, it, I think you know it would be. So here concerning. here's an interesting one: Austin Eckler averaged 14 carries per game in wins and 11 in losses. Now he's not the kind of guy you ride for 25 carries anyway, but. You know, he also had a split that was, you know, at least. Yeah, I, I, I would think you're probably looking at three to five fewer carries and win and loss wins versus losses. Last year, so but last year it was eight, and this year it was only what did I say? It was uh, six, and that was with him leaving two of his wins early with injuries when he had a ten carries in one game and six carries in the other. So it was probably an even bigger gap, you know. Um, and that was something that Schneier pointed out. That's why Dan Schneier didn't like Jacobs. He said he was the most game script or one of the most game script dependent running backs. Of course, if you start catching four or five passes a game, it doesn't really matter, I guess. Right. So if if his you know game expands and, and we know that he has that ability, you know we we've seen it. Uh, and and like Chris said, you know the the new coach or if it's Rich Passaccia again, you know that's something you could probably hang your hat on a little bit that he's going to be more involved in the passing. All right. Listen, if you're watching on YouTube, look at us, the schlubs here look terrible. Dressed horrible. It's embarrassing. Guys, go on Indochino.com and get yourself a new wardrobe, okay? And use the promo code FFT. You're going to get 50 bucks off a purchase of $399 or more. Now, is that a lot of money to spend? 
in a vacuum, maybe, but not on Indochino clothing, not on a new suit, for example, a custom suit that fits you perfectly. You own it. You wear it. I mean, you look great in it. You feel good. There is a confidence, a swagger that you get when you wear something that is custom made that, oh, that looks so perfect on you, that looks better than anything else that's in your closet. And I can tell you from experience because that is how I feel when I wear my Indochino suit. And that is why I have uh, AA invented swagger and the lining of the jacket. And you know that's not, you know I'm not joking about that. You know I would be crazy enough to get something like that. Um, so anyway. Mr. Swag. Yeah, you know me. I have no swag right now. If I had my suit on, I would have some serious swag. I love Indochino. Uh, let them take care of your 2022 style edit. You can customize everything from suits and shirts to chinos and bomber jackets at prices more affordable than you might ex- expect. Like I said, I got a suit. I know people who have paid three times as much as I paid for my custom suit at Indochino. Uh, It's really great stuff, and you're going to love it. Go to Indochino.com. Give yourself a style edit that sets the tone for the rest of the year with Indochino and get $50 off any purchase of $399 or more by using the promo code FFT at Indochino.com. That is 50 bucks off a purchase of $399 or more at I-N-D-O-C-H-I-N-O.com. Promo code FFT. For real. You need a suit. You got a wedding coming up. You got a big event coming up. Indochino.com. Promo code FFT. All right. Let's go to our next team, New England. Chris, are there any potential standouts on this offense? And I will tell you that, and this is Dave helped me out. This morning, uh, Jacoby Myers, restricted free agent. James White, unrestricted free agent. Brandon Bolden, unrestricted free agent. So the question is, are there any potential stars on this New England offense? So, like, we're not referring to Damian Harris as a star or a standout, right? <clears throat> like, based on what he did last se- this season, you wouldn't say he was a star or a standout? He had, like, a couple of good stretches, but... No, I would. I would. He scored in 10 of 11 games, so... Right, but he still finished his RB19 in points per game. In PPR. Yeah. I mean, like, if he could okay, replicate that, I'd be happy. <laughs> if we're saying, saying Damian Harris this season was a standout, then yes, there is room for someone in this rushing game to be a standout. The problem is, I don't expect we're going to see, you know, 25 carries per game or 20 carries per game for Damian Harris, especially with Ramondre Stevenson there. If they decide to t- trade Damian Harris, which doesn't seem like it's totally unrealistic given the way they've handled their running backs in the past, then Ramondre Stevenson can be that. But unless Mac Jones makes an unexpected leap as a passer, and I, it's possible, but you know I, I'm not expecting it, I think that's probably it. I think this is going to be a pretty mediocre offense for fantasy. Maybe they add a big-time playmaker in the receiving game, and that changes the, the way it looks. But as things stand now, no, I think there's – a uh, crowded running game, a crowded backfield with RB2 upside. How about you, Jamie? By the way, Damian Harris, you said he was RB19 in full PPR. He was per game RB14 in half PPR. Jamie, is there any potential standouts, any stars on this offense? Not barring injury to one of the running backs. I think Chris nailed it. You know, they're, they're just they're going to lean on both guys, which they should. You know, it was successful for them. Um, you know, you'd like to see maybe – uh, a step forward for Hunter Henry because it was clear he was the better of the two from a pass catching standpoint. I don't know what happened with Jonathan Smith and why they didn't use him more in that regard. But maybe you get a step forward for him as Mac Jones develops and, and it's not just a touchdown and bust type of scenario that he is, you know, kind of what he was in, uh, with the Chargers. Uh, I do think that they'll probably address the receiver position to some extent. 
you know, whether it's an upgrade over Jacoby Myers, you know, just in terms of more dynamic playmaker or uh, adding somebody through the draft. That being said, they struggle when they draft receiver. So, yeah. you know, you don't want to go that route if, if, if you're looking at it, unless this is the year that it changes. And Mac Jones maybe develops that guy. So um, I, I, I think, you know, they, they like their formula. You know, they, they want to play, you know, great defense, which they have. Uh, they want to run the ball and they want to, you know, put their quarterback in positions and not necessarily make mistakes. Um, this isn't Tom Brady, you know, so he may develop into a very good quarterback um, next year, uh, you know, maybe, you know, a couple years, but I think they're going to stick to what's worked for them and they may have a coordinator change too. So who knows? Josh McDaniels may leave and, and that could change some things also. All right, let's go to Philadelphia. Kind of a similar question, but just for Devonte Smith, uh, this offense was twenty-fifth um, in passing. Or they were last in pass attempts. I knew they were last in something. I couldn't remember if it was attempts or yards. They threw fewer than any other team in football. So the question is, can Devonte Smith be a star in this Philadelphia offense, Jamie? Uh, yes, but it comes with an asterisk. Who's the quarterback? Because they're, I'm going to guess, being the Deshaun Watson sweepstakes. You know, so if he's cleared, ready to go, they have the draft capital to make that type of a move if they feel they need an upgrade. And, you know, depending on how you feel about how that game went over the weekend against the Bucks, you may feel that they need an upgrade. So um, if Jalen Hurts is the quarterback, I don't expect a huge leap, but I expect the leap because I think Hurts will be better. I think, you know, Smith will be better. You know, they'll have an offseason to work together. But if there's a quarterback upgrade, then, you know, Smith's, stock could be just through the roof. So, you know, I think if you're in the Devontae Smith camp, you'd like to see maybe the version of Deshaun Watson on and off the field, or at least on the field and, and what we thought off the field uh, prior to, you know, the 2021 season. What do you think, Chris? Devontae Smith was not even a top 40 wide receiver on a per game basis. You know, Jalen Hurts, if you just look at the games he started, you take away the Minshew games. Um, he averaged 210 passing yards per game. That ranked 26th in the NFL. But then in his last eight games, when they went really run heavy, he averaged 178.5 passing yards per game and not even one touchdown pass per game. So can Devontae Smith be a star? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. They had the fewest pass attempts in the NFL at 494, and I thought that was a really high number for the lowest. And in the previous four seasons, that's all I could get to before you came back to me. Uh, they There were at least three teams and as many as five every season who had fewer pass attempts well, than but that. So I thought that was interesting. Did you do per game? Because we had a 17-game season. Oh, that's a good point. <laughs> Uh, but even then, 494, we had 406 last season. We had uh, every year, I think there was one at least at around 420. So it was still a, a high number of pass attempts per game um, relative to what we've seen. I don't know what to make of that. But yeah, I think there's room for him to be a star. I mean, you just look at the per target numbers a nine, you know, 8.8 yards per target. That's really good. 62% catch rate. That's not great, but you could see that coming up. You know, he probably needs to get more like the 120 target range to really be a difference maker. But if he gets there, it's not out of the question to see a, a you know, 1,100 yard, eight touchdown season. So, yeah, I think there's room for him to be a, a must start fantasy player and a star. Remember, this was his first NFL season, but it's going to be hard. It's going to be a very narrow thread to, uh, to thread, needle to thread. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I think it's it's possible, and and then if they do get, you know, Deshaun Watson, especially, I think that would, you know, then it would be a rocket ship, and I think Devontae Smith probably ends up getting drafted as a top twenty four wide receiver. So yeah, yeah, I think there's there's 
there's a couple of paths there, but they're not the most likely outcome. All right, let's go to Dallas. Here we go. Here's the fun one. What the heck happened to C.D. Lamb, and where do you rank him going into next season? Uh, Jamie, you can kick it off. What happened to Lamb, and where do you rank him going into next season? I don't know what happened to Lamb. I mean, I think Kellen Moore, Mike McCarthy, and Dak Prescott probably happened to C.D. Lamb. Um, you know, the the usage against uh, the 49ers defense was, you know, strange. You know, running said Wilson more in the slot than Lamb, given the way that the 49ers play defense was you know, a little weird. Um, I I just don't understand, you know, why they didn't give him more opportunities and more, you know, chances to be a, a significant playmaker. He had some drops, you know, not necessarily an alarming amount of drops, but he, he had some key ones. I don't know if that factors into it. Uh, it's a crowded receiving core, you know, that that also, you know, has to play into it as well. You know, when you share a field with Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, when he was there, and, and Dalton Schultz, what he became. But the, the, the way that the targets went away, the lack of production, um, I hope he's going to end up being a great value pick next season because people will pass on him based on some of those failures. But there's still so much to love. So hopefully next year is a, is a big bounce back season in year three. So did you rank him? Where'd you rank him? He's not in the top 12. I haven't gone past that yet. So he'll be probably in the neighborhood of uh, 20 to 30. You know, again, we'll see what they do. But you, um, you don't think he'll be a top 20 guy? Um, no, I don't. Wow. Yeah, I mean, because this was the number one offense in the NFL. Now that includes number highest scoring team. That includes uh, pick sixes, and they had a bunch of those. So I don't know mm-hmm. if they scored more points offensively than the Bucks, but either way, I mean, they're one of the highest scoring teams. Uh, I don't. Yeah, Chris, what about you? Is he going to crack? I know he's not in your top twelve. Is he going to crack your top twenty? Yeah, I think top 20 probably makes sense. I'm not exactly sure where in that top 20, probably in the lower half. Um, I think part of the problem is the Cowboys just spread the ball around a ton. It's not necessarily like even when Michael Gallup went down, we saw Cedric Wilson step up. This is a team that has three wide receivers on the field pretty much every play. They've got at least one pass catching tight end. They've got a pass catching running back on the field at all times. And so they... The only stretch we've seen with uh, a number one wide receiver there really having a high target share was the nine games that Amari Cooper played after his trade in 2018. And even that was only a 23.5% target share. So you're not talking about what DeAndre Hopkins you know, put up last season in, in Arizona. That's not something that ever really happens. You're not talking about Devontae Adams. So that's the thing that's really tough is they just spread the ball around so much. And I don't know if that's going to change, even if Michael Gallup leaves and, you know, even if Kellen Moore is a different, uh, in a different place, I think that's the nature of the offense that they run. And unless things dramatically change, I don't think we're really likely to see, you know, CeeDee Lamb get into that 25% target share range that you really need to be in to be a number one wide receiver. So like he's still young, he's still really talented, but we may have gotten a little over our skis on, uh, you know, the the extent to which his talent would make him stand out, um, and the extent to which his situation would make him stand out. Maybe, maybe neither is quite as good as we thought it was. It's also they you could have a change. You know, Kellen Moore yeah. leaves. Who knows what that means for this offense? I just and oh, to be clear, he averaged nine point two yards per target. He had a sixty six percent catch rate on you know a, a ten point three eight odd. He's a very good player. Um, they just 
they haven't used a wide receiver in the way they would he would need to be used to be a you know he could end up as a number one guy if he gets nine touchdowns on 130 targets next season or something but like it's not going to be one of those 160 t- target type of things unless something dramatically changes in Dallas. But they throw so much, you know. I mean, so the, I understand the target share is going to be great, but sixth in pass attempts this year, uh, third in yards, third in touchdowns. Yeah. They do. And throw he still a lot. only ended up with 120. I mean, targets. we're we're, we're, I know. we're talking it, about a guy that's going to go somewhere somewhere in the back end of round three. If there's a big receiver rush, definitely in round four. He's not escaping round four. All right, let's see where he went in this draft we did. See some of the wide receivers he went around. Oh, man, why is this so... Sorry. Lamb. He went 41st, right behind Terry McLaurin. I would rather have CeeDee Lamb than Terry McLaurin. He went just behind DK Metcalf. He went three spots behind T. Higgins. I would definitely rather have T. Higgins than CeeDee Lamb at this point. Um, And he went just ahead of Tyler Lockett and DJ Moore and DeAndre Hopkins. I think that all makes sense, you know? Whichever one you prefer, like I'd rather have Lamb than McLaurin. I'd rather have Metcalf and Higgins than Lamb, but that range generally makes sense. That's yeah. I mean, if you tell me Russell Wilson's back, I'll take Lockett over Lamb. Um, I'll take Metcalf over Lamb. I'll take McLaurin over Lamb if the quarterback is better in Washington. If the quarterback is the same or worse, then I would take Lamb. I think I would take DeAndre Hopkins over CeeDee Lamb. Yeah, see, I I would take Lamb over Hopkins. And Lamb, you know. He, there was such a difference in his yards per target when Gallup played and when Gallup didn't play, and that was, you know, I'm, I guess I'm probably going to talk about this a lot, but he averaged 10.35 yards per carry without, or yards per target, pardon me, I love YPC, uh, without Gallup for seven games when Gallup got hurt, and then Gallup came back and he played seven games, and Lamb played seven games with Gallup, and he averaged 8.2 yards per target. And, what, well, what does that matter? Because he played the slot when Gallup played, and he didn't play the slot when Gallup was out. He played out wide. So that's why I thought as soon as Gallup got hurt, I thought Lamb was going to have a huge finish because he was going to play out wide. And he did play out wide, but he didn't have a huge finish. So, uh, you know, that, that I, I, could, I could forgive the overall numbers if he had gotten back on track after the Gallup injury. But I don't know, man. 16 targets in his last four games. That is nuts. And he actually averaged more targets per game. In the games that Lamb uh, Gallup missed, uh, eight point eight eight yeah. versus eight in the games that Gallup played, it was just that he was much more efficient in the games that Gallup missed. Yeah, the thing that's surprising with him really is that he just hasn't scored many touchdowns. And yeah. you would think in this offense that might change, but you know they throw to their running backs near the goal line, they throw to their tight ends near the goal line. It's it's a uh, it's actually a surprisingly tough offense for a guy to it's it's an easy offense to be a wide receiver two and it's a tough offense to be a wide receiver one in. CD Lamb had just ten red zone targets and four green zone targets. Man, that is really low. Oh man. All right. Uh let's go to Pittsburgh here. Is Najee Harris an easy first round pick, Chris? Yeah. Yeah, that's how I have it ranked right now. But I am also starting to get in my head a little bit about Pittsburgh's offense. And I don't know. Mason Rudolph has shown nothing. Maybe he's shown something in practice that has made the Steelers not try to upgrade their position, their QB backup position for three years in a row. But when we've seen him, he's averaged 6.2 yards per attempt. He's been pretty disastrous. Um, And the one game he started this season – like it seemed like they barely wanted him to throw the ball at all. So uh, 
I'm worried, but the volume, I think, is just going to be so ridiculous for Najee Harris that, you know, historically low-efficiency, high-volume rookie running backs are a very good bet for fantasy moving forward. So I'll stick with that. I'll stick with the volume. And, you know, if he does – like, it probably won't be that much worse than it was this year, right? What, the – his season, his production, the Steelers offense, however you want to interpret that question. Steelers were 21st in scoring, 28th in yards per play. They did run the ninth most plays. Yeah, but I mean, that's... One game they played with Mason Rudolph went to overtime against the Lions. They were just so bad. Uh, you know, Jamie, what about you? Do you think Najee Harris is an easy first-round pick? He's not an easy first-round pick because if, if the quarterback is Mason Rudolph, I doubt you're going to see him drafted in the first round because there'll be so many concerns about what this team will look like. And and there's so many great players. I mean, you know, I, I know just looking at, you know, you two guys, for example, have Kelsey in, in your top 12. Uh, the other four of us don't. Um, that's an easy thing for me to look at and say, okay, I'll draft Andrews uh, over Najee Harris, potentially if Mason Rudolph is the quarterback. Cause I like Andrews as number one tight end, potentially both those guys. So I think Harris is not an easy call. Um, I hope that Pittsburgh, and especially knowing this is uh, uh, Kevin Colbert's last offseason, their general manager, he also is stepping down after the draft, that they'll be in the, if these guys are available, which it sounds like they will be, the Derek Carr and Jimmy Garoppolo sweepstakes. I think that would be a significant upgrade even over Roethlisberger yeah. right now. Um, you've heard some you know, Mitchell Trubisky rumors. I think that's an upgrade over Mason Rudolph, even though it's not a oh, huge one. But I, think it's an <laughs> I don't know if it's, a, um, I don't know if it's an upgrade over bad. Uh, well, it might be to some extent, but yeah. I would agree with you, probably not. But um, it also could be a transition year of a Teddy Bridgewater type of guy. Mason Rudolph might be that guy. And and they draft somebody, and you're hearing you know, a lot of uh, the you know, staying in, in the state and, and taking picket from Pitt um, you know, and, and you know, building toward the future. Maybe he ends up like Mac Jones and starts right away. So if the quarterback position is on par or better, it's an easy decision for Najee Harris to go in the first round. If the quarterback situation is Mason Rudolph or worse, then he probably is not getting drafted in the round. And I, I would think that placeholder guy, like a Teddy Bridgewater, that would be an upgrade over Mason Rudolph as well. Yeah. Yes. I think that would be an upgrade on Ben too. So I think that would be fine. Um, yeah. It's, I, I don't know. I think like after the first six or seven picks, I think there is a pretty big, it's like a glob of players that you can go almost all the way to the end of the second round. And there's not that big of a difference between them. Um, you know, one guy you didn't mention, what if there's a, an RB slash wide receiver eligible Debo Samuel? He won't be on our site. I can tell you that. So should be, boy, I, I don't know how you can, he's the hardest player to evaluate. His receiving totals have been garbage lately. He runs for a touchdown every game. He, he's incredible. But can you bank on that next year? I don't know. I hope they lose soon so we can have her as one of the questions. <laughs> uh, all right. Anyway, uh, Arizona, our last loser. And then we'll do some rankings disputes to end the show. Do you think James Conner or Chase Edmonds will be a must-start running back next season? And that obviously is a, has a lot to do with where they're going to be. But, Jamie, do you think James Conner or Chase Edmonds will be a must-start running back next season? Uh, yes, if Connor leaves Arizona and Edmonds is the starter. Do you think that that Arizona will actually commit to Edmonds as a guy that they're going to give a big enough role to to be a must-start fantasy running back? I'm not going to say he's going to be an every-down back, but 
you know, the talk is cheap with them because they go all offseason talking about how much they love Edmonds and he can do this and he can do that, and then they don't follow through on that. Um, well, I mean, he was great in the two games that Connor missed with his ankle injury. Yes, but fantasy do they, But do they? But do they view him as that kind of runner? You know, I don't think they view him as we want him to be a twenty-touch guy week in week out because I don't think he can handle it from their perspective. I don't know if he can personally, so I I I, I don't know. But um, if he is in that role with like an Eno Benjamin type of guy, another rookie, you know, that's a you know a, a third-day draft pick. Then yes, I think you should feel comfortable about Chase Edmonds. If it's Edmonds and another veteran that comes in, or they you know bring back James Conner, you know they could they could do something similar and go get Melvin Gordon for a one year deal. You know they can they can start you know just recycling some of these guys. There's there's a lot of interesting names in the free agent market this season. You know so you know you could see hey let's get a bigger back and let's go get um, Deontay Foreman. You know and pair him with Chase Edmonds. You know there there's so many different ways that they can go. But if it's not that route, then yes, I, I like Chase Edmonds a lot. But otherwise, no. If it's if it's one of these scenarios, again, like we saw this year, Edmonds and a veteran or both guys back, then I think you're talking about two flex options with Connor, a borderline starter and non-PPR, and Edmonds, a borderline starter in, in PPR. Yeah, Edmonds, uh, first seven games before the injury, he was on a 1,200-yard pace. He just only had one touchdown, so he wasn't that great for fantasy. But like, if you think that like Miles Gaskin in 2020 was a must-start running back, and I think he pretty much was, I, I think Chase Edmonds can be that type of like solid number two. I think that's probably close to the ceiling. And I do worry that he can't, you know, handle like a 20 touch per game role or even an 18 touch per game role. But I think he can be like an efficient pass catcher who does enough overall, you know, rushes for 900 yards and catches, you know, 60 passes that he can be a, a viable starting fantasy running back. Seems less likely with James Conner, but I think he looked really good this season too. You know, I was shocked at how good he looked. So maybe he ends up a starter somewhere. Well, we're going to take a break. When we come back, Aaron Rodgers or Lamar Jackson? And you already heard Chris say that he'd take T. Higgins ahead of CeeDee Lamb. We'll find out where Jamie and Chris have T. Higgins ranked. Did, they make, did he make the top 12? He did for Chris. All right, we'll be right back on Fantasy Football today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Time for some 2022 rankings disputes. Aaron Rodgers, per game, number six this year in four-point-per-passing touchdown leagues and number four in six-point-per-passing touchdown leagues. And he had a 7% touchdown rate, which is pretty damn high, but not as high as 9.1% in 2020. Uh, Anyway, if you look at him and Lamar Jackson, touchdowns are the big story there. And Jamie has Rodgers fourth, and he has Jackson sixth. Where, and this is in six-point-per-passing touchdown league rankings. Chris, on the other hand, has Rodgers ninth and Lamar Jackson third. Chris, I'll give you the first word. You've got Jackson third, and you've got him way ahead of Rodgers. Well, give me your breakdown of why you, starting with Lamar Jackson, you know, why you're the highest on him at third overall. To be clear, I don't have him way ahead of Aaron Rodgers. This is the problem with an ordinal ranking system is, you know, three versus nine sounds like a big deal. I think the, all those guys are in the same range. This okay. is, you know, I, I don't think there's much of a difference between them. 
But, you know, there's questions about Aaron Rodgers, where he's going to be playing, who he's going to be playing with. But mostly I just think that Lamar Jackson's realistic ceiling is just a lot higher than than Aaron Rodgers. You know, the, the best case scenario for him. He was on pace for over 1,000 yards and a career high in passing yards by over, fi- <clears throat> by over 500 this season. That's really significant. Now, I don't think he's going to average 334 pass attempts per game next season, but you know, I do think they can be more pass-heavy than they've been. He's still the best rusher at the position by far, and this was just a weird season, especially you know, with regards to the touchdowns. He had 18 touchdowns in, 16, in 12 games, 16 through the air, two on the ground. The two on the ground is just nuts for a guy who rushed 133 times. So I think you look at it and the path for Lamar Jackson being the number one overall quarterback. And that's a, that's a big deal for me in rankings. You know, I want to, if I, if I have two players who I think are similar, but one has a clearer path to being the number one overall player, number one overall player at their position, I'm going to rank that guy higher. And that that's Lamar Jackson for me. Jamie, the case for Rogers over Jackson. Well, first in, in terms of Jackson, I, I agree with everything Chris said about his ceiling. I, I think we've also seen the last two years of, you know, some of what the floor is mm-hmm. is like for him. Um, the one thing I'll disagree with, though, is uh, I wonder if they go back a little bit more to what their roots are, which is to hit, be a little bit more run heavy. And you think about who they lost. You know, they lost their top two running backs. And so, you know, they put a little bit more on, on Lamar Jackson's plate. Now, that's not to say that they weren't heading that direction anyway, which they could have been because of bringing in Rashad Bateman and bringing in Sammy Watkins and trying to be a more balanced offense. So, it really could go either way with how their future looks, but you know, I think based on their win-loss record, you know, you wonder if they maybe okay, let's pare it down a little bit, go back to Dobbins, go back to Edwards, you know, keep Lamar in his, you know, sort of you know, quote unquote bubble of of him as a player and not necessarily ask him to do too much, and that maybe is more uh, better for their team success. That doesn't mean that he can't still be a number one quarterback because we saw that in, in twenty um, twenty nineteen when he was you know a superstar. So all those things, can, yeah, I think can, can still work together. I would point out there's a lot of room between this year and last year in terms of pass attempts. He was at 25 per game in 2020, 34 this season. So if I'm projecting him, he's probably closer to 30, you know, maybe 29 or 30. But that's still a, a little bit of an upgrade over where we've seen him as a passer. Yeah, no, no. I, I, I don't think he's going to throw significantly less. But I think, you know, again, you just look at where their team was and, and yeah. factoring in obviously a lot of injuries, not just the running back position. But, um, you know, they they – coaches just get weird like that you know okay why were we so good the last two seasons versus why were we you know this way you know was it all injuries or was it you know philosophy but they so, but know. they were what I, I feel like they were the two seed or something like that before he got hurt and he they missed, were playing great yeah but, they were seven and four before his injury no, they probably why, weren't the two seed at seven and four but they were sort of they were they were leading the division sure, and they lost they lost i think more one one uh or however many points, you know, close games, uh, you know, maybe yeah. anybody, you know, I think they had one, one point losses, you know, across the board, but you know, that losing streak was terrible for them. I'm just, again, I'm, I'm stepping into the mind of what John Harbaugh could be thinking, which is probably a mistake, but in any event, you know, just never know how coaches get because you know, what, what was good versus what was, you know, what was working versus what isn't working in terms of Rogers. You know, I, I'm just tired of doubting him at this point. You know I mean? It's just yeah. every year he's going to continue to get, okay, he's older. Uh, he, he's not here now. Now Chris said it best. Obviously if he's not in green Bay and Devonte Adams leaves, this is an easy, uh, e- easy fade. You know, you're not, you're not 
necessarily trusting Rodgers to the same degree. If he goes to Denver, maybe it's a different conversation because of all those weapons. If he goes to New Orleans and he's with Sean Payton, who knows? Uh, there, are, there are a lot of different ways this can go. I'm going to guess at this point, depending on how this season finishes, it sounds as if everything is hunky-dory in Green Bay um, based on the lack of, of things that you've heard. He also could retire. Um, but I, I think what's, you know, we, we said, okay, it was Jordan Love motivated Aaron Rodgers. It was the, the front office and everything motivated Aaron Rodgers. You know what's changed for Aaron Rodgers the last couple of seasons? Matt LaFleur. Matt LaFleur, I think, has been really good for Aaron Rodgers. This offense has been really good for Aaron Rodgers. It's maximizing everything he does great, and he's a Hall of Famer to begin with before Matt LaFleur even got to him. So Devontae Adams, no disrespect to Cooper Cup or Jamar Chase or Justin Jefferson, everyone put there. Devontae Adams is the best receiver in football. Mm-hmm. Um, the complementary pieces have been good, if not you know great at times. You know We don't know what Marquez Valdez-Scantling may have gotten to as he was building towards something with the, with the target shares. Alan Lazard's a very good complimentary piece. We know they use the running backs in the backfield. Uh, Robert Tunyon, who knows where he may have finished if he had finished out the season. Probably not as good as he was a year ago, but Rodgers makes those things work. So I just think you look at him, he's safe, he's productive. He was the number one quarterback two years ago. Like you said, he was fourth this year. There's just so much to love about what Aaron Rodgers gives you. He's consistent. And so, uh, again, will he be the number one guy? Probably not. Lamar Jackson certainly has a better opportunity to do that. Not going to fight anybody if they want to take Lamar Jackson over Aaron Rodgers. Like Chris said, it's all close, you know. So it's uh, it's just a matter of, you know, at this point, you know, floor versus ceiling, and 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 some of coming off of what we just saw. Although, if you want to take a a little trip down Narrative Street, you know, you could also see a Tom Brady twenty twenty situation where he goes to a different team and just destroys things, just as a, uh, oh yeah, I can still, you know. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I can still be the best player in football, kind of thing. Right, you can and, throw and a lot one, more. One, oh yeah, one other just, narrative. Yeah. Right. One other narrative to keep in mind: is Lamar Jackson's free agency. Um, he, he's he's going to get franchise tag, you know, if this plays out. But he's his own agent. You wonder if there might be a holdout coming. Well, Rogers played sixteen games for the fourth straight season, and that's right, he missed one game with with COVID. And Jackson played thirteen. How many games did he play? I'm sorry. What did he play? Thirteen. But he left one with twelve. So if you take his eleven healthy games, he only played fourteen percent of the snaps in the game. You, you give him a sixteen game pace compared to Rodgers. If you just look at yards, he he scored one hundred more points than Aaron Rodgers just on yards. When you look at his sixteen game pace compared to the sixteen games that Rodgers played, so. Rodgers has to crush him in touchdowns, which he did. Also turnovers. That's one thing that kind of gets overlooked. Aaron Rodgers has Mm -hmm. 15 or 16 interceptions in his last four seasons combined. And Jackson threw 13 of them this year in 12 games, really 11 games. Uh, So that factors in. And the fumbles, too. Uh, It's worth noting, in four-point-per-pass touchdown leagues, I think Lamar Jackson was just better on a per-game basis this season. He was. well, there's no way you're taking Rodgers over Lamar Jackson in four points per pass. Yeah, uh, no, he was not. No, not what, what I, I see. I see 20.8 for Rodgers, 19.7 for Jackson. But right, you would no matter what, you're taking Jackson over him in four point. Okay, so let's go to tell me if I'm right about that, by the way, Chris. Uh, uh I'm looking at FF today, and they've got Rodgers at 23. Point. 23.9 Jackson at 24.7. So I'm not sure what the 
No, twenty three point nine was twenty twenty for him. Mm, no. What? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll, we'll I'll see what I did wrong there then. All right, let's talk about T. Higgins. This is interesting. Chris has got him in the top 12. He's got him 10th. Uh, and, Jamie, you, you didn't have him in your top 12. I don't know if roughly you know where you would have T. Higgins. Uh, top 15. Okay. So, yeah, you said you take him over C.D. Lamb. Chris, obviously some other big-name players. Uh, but make your case. Top 10. 10th overall for T. Higgins. I just think he's a really good player. I think this is an uh, an offense that's going to become more pass heavy than they were this season. I think that's something we've seen down the stretch, and hopefully, you know, we'll you know be able to really believe in it after the playoffs. But it just it just seems like when you've got the weapons that they have in the passing game, being more aggressive is the right call. He was 14th in points per game, but that was with only six touchdowns and 110 targets. I don't think that rate's going to be that low. He's been really good on a per-target basis in his career, 9.2 per target. Uh, he's a big play guy. He can be a red zone target. They looked for him in the red zone a lot this season. I just think there's so much going right for him. Uh, and he averaged 78 yards per game. You know, that's that's typically top 12 wide receiver kind of production, assuming, you know, a, a pretty good touchdown rate. So I just think this is an offense you want to buy. And um, T. Higgins is only... He just oh happy birthday to you, Higgins. He just turned twenty three years old. But how? Um, but but how? Like how do you rank him over C D Lamb, for example, and say this is an offense you want to buy, which is true, but he's the number two guy in that offense, whereas Dallas is also an offense that you want to buy, right? I mean Dallas was the highest scoring team in football under Kellen Moore. They throw the ball a ton year after year. Uh, and Lamb has a chance to be the number one guy. I think he is the number one guy. I, I mean, I suspect he will be. I know he finished like crap, but uh, so did T. Higgins, by the way. Higgins played 89% of the snaps in in, uh, in the playoff game against the Raiders. He had four targets. He played 83% of the snaps in Week 17 against the Chiefs, and he had five targets. You're uh, taking two games, though, because four of his last six in the regular season, he was over 100 yards. Yeah, but three of his last four, he was... 23, 62, and 10 with a combined 12 targets in those three games. You it's are, arbitrary endpoints. I, it is, whatever it is, but but it's also Jamar Chase appears to... I was Look, I was shocked. I thought Tegan was have a big game. He was my, one of my favorite DFS plays. He was horrible. If there's one more game of Jamar Chase just completely alpha-ing him then I don't know how I could rank T. Higgins ahead of CeeDee Lamb when they're both in great offenses that are probably going to throw a lot, and I think Lamb has a much better chance to be the number one guy. Yeah, they'll they'll be close for me. I, I I'll, I'll amend what I said earlier. You know, CD Lamb will probably be somewhere between fifteen and twenty, as opposed to you know closer to, to twenty where I said earlier. So I apologize about that. Uh, they'll be close. You know, I, I think you just look at what the the way this offense operates. You know, and and just what T Higgins you know brings to the tail. T Higgins would be number one on any other team. You know, uh, he'd probably be number one on Dallas. You know, and and I think that speaks volumes. That's interesting. To, to, huh? That's interesting. I don't know. What? I don't know. I mean, look, Lamb. He's a great player. They they both are. They both are. They both are, right? If 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 Lamb hadn't been taken, what, 25 picks earlier or whatever it was, would there be any, like, it, it wouldn't be controversial, at least. No, it's not It's not controversial now. Uh, but he was taken earlier, and he had a, I would say, a better rookie season, although, you know, Burrow got hurt. They, they, they have had very, very good careers. Well, that got hurt, too. Uh yeah, that's right. You're right. They've both been, <laughs> but I, I think the the you know the the DAC numbers when you look at them and it was a fourteen per fourteen hundred yard pace and all that stuff. 
he only had like a 19% target share with Dak healthy. You know, so I, right. I, what it comes down to for me is T. Higgins, whether he's the number two in his offense, I think it's this season it was more accurate to say he was a 1B. Uh, he, he and Jamar Chase both had a 24% target share this season. Um, Seagull was at 21%. So I, I just, a lot of it comes down to that is that, you know, the, the denominator may be bigger for Dallas, but if the share is smaller, it's, it's going to come out to pretty close to the same thing. You know, Higgins right. was on, I don't know a that better Higgins... per tar- per game target rate. Right, but if Chase, we have Chase as a first-round pick, basically. We're not doing that because we think he's going to have a 24% target share. We're probably expecting more like a 28% target share for Jamar Chase. Uh, it's hard because he's such a downfield guy, and it's really hard for downfield guys, except for like Devontae Adams, to have huge target shares. But isn't Higgins you know? his downfield guy, too? Yeah, yeah not to the see, same extent that Chase You're going to see both these guys. Their route trees is going to continue. Yeah, Hig- Chase is yeah. going to be I, much I, more than a downfield guy. I, I think they're both— He's not in the playoffs. Yes. I think they're both potentially elite players. Like, I think they both might be top 12. I, well, I have them ranked both as top 10 wide receivers for fantasy. And that's also, like I said earlier, a bet on Cincinnati throwing more and leaning more into the run and into the pass and not being quite so run first like they have been for, you know, a, you know most of this season at least. Right. I actually was just reading about that. I don't know if... If we had mentioned, I know I had never mentioned it. I didn't even see it until now. But after the 49ers game, which was uh, mm-hmm. a close loss for them, I believe. Yeah, 23 26. Yeah. So after that game, Zach Taylor just said, screw it. We're li- turning them loose. They had been protecting Burrow, they had been running the ball more at the start of the season and for much of the season because Burrow's coming off the injury. And mm-hmm. at that point, they just said, forget it. We're turning him loose. And it, it wasn't just a fluke that he started throwing more. It was a concerted effort to be much more aggressive. They thought he was moving better in the pocket. And I do think you can safely assume that's going to continue into next year. Jamie, I've hogged the spotlight here. Do you want to want to weigh in on Higgins? And, or are we done? Or like, yeah. No, I think you guys said it you know, uh, accurately. It's just some, I, I, Look, you could probably end up with uh, a, a pretty good fantasy team, assuming both guys you know, take a step forward. If you go running back, running back Higgins, Lamb or Lamb Higgins in some capacity, and and if you are in the Higgins camp, you're enjoying these struggles sure. at the end of the season when it doesn't matter because it's only going to drive the price down. Okay, Chris, I'm looking on FF today, quarterback okay. scoring, <laughs> fantasy points per game. I'm using ESPN scoring, which is four point for passing touchdown, two point for interception. Aaron Rodgers twenty point eight, Lamar Jackson nineteen point seven. Yeah, but then there was that game that Lamar Jackson left, you know. Oh, okay. I, that's fair. That's fair. But at 20.8 But no, Rodgers. we all agree that Lamar Jackson's the better plan four-point per passing touchdown leagues anyway because that was with Lamar Jackson having, a, you know, the lowest touchdown rate of his career since his rookie season, his highest interception rate, his lowest rushing touchdown rate by far. Like, nothing really went right for Lamar Jackson this season, and he was still number eight in four-point per passing touchdown leagues per game, and – what number eleven in uh, six point per game? Uh, that sounds about right. By the way, he's got to be the third quarterback off the board in four point, right? Would anybody? What would be your he top would, he, three? He'd be number three in both for me. Jamie, four point for passing touchdown. Yes, he should be third. Okay, Lamar Jackson was twelfth per game uh, yeah. in six point. But yeah, if you remove the game that he missed, then he's probably 
close to 10 or something like that. Am I allowed to, when we talk about Aaron Rodgers throughout the year, am I allowed to take away week one? Am I allowed to Azer stat that? <laughs> this is the worst no. game of his career. Um, it still happened. Yeah, it didn't really happen. Yeah, it really it was happened. so long ago. I don't know that really happened. You might have missed the playoffs because of that game. <laughs> oh, you, you mean as a fantasy game? Yeah. yeah. Uh, put you 0-1. Sure. Um, okay. Because without that game, he was on pace for 39 touchdowns, two interceptions in 16 games. All right, thanks, everybody. He's awesome. Thanks for listening. Yeah, Is that good. the biggest surprise of the season, that game? I know, I know everybody's going to look at the Bills and the Jaguars and then maybe the Cardinals yeah. and the Lions. We no. kind of forget that game. Bills, Jags. The Saints the did craziest. that to a couple of teams. Didn't they do that? But they the, did it to that team, and though. The Bucks. I mean, did yeah. that team, that, that, how many losses did the Packers have? Three? Four? They lost the last game of the year or no? Uh, the Packers lost to They're the Lions in Week 18. They lost three games all year. And, so, and, and, and only and one with Rodgers. Yeah. Basically. Right. One with Rodgers. And they limited... I don't, the 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 Bucks nine zero win was probably up there, limiting Tom Brady to one hundred and fifty one passing. Well, they were just taking out everybody on the team. They Godwin, Evans, that, Fournette. That season <laughs> opening game. That's 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 the most surprising. Thirty eight three. That's the most surprising game of the season. I'm I'm I was saying Bills Jags all season. That, that's was the it most five surprising. touchdowns on eighteen passes for Jameis in that game. Yeah, something. But it's not that. I mean, like like that could happen. Like that should have been a shootout. The, what that defense did to Aaron Rodgers is nuts. Yeah. I said they lost... Um, okay, no, they lost four games because the, the game... I'm sorry. They lost the, to Minnesota with Rodgers playing a full game. They the, lost the to the Chiefs Saints. Game. They lost to the Chiefs without Rodgers, and they lost to the Lions in Week 18 with Rodgers playing half the game, basically. Yeah. Right. Well, that is it for but today. Love has uh, got one and a half of those losses. Yes, Absolutely. Um, I would like to look up the score at halftime because if the Packers were winning, then I'm just going to assign all of the losses, both of the losses, fully to Jordan Love. Uh, yeah, the 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 Lions came back, right? Yeah, they were losing at halftime. Okay, Jordan Love gets two losses, not one and a half. It is official. This oh is wait, no, no, sorry, Lions were up at halftime. Oh come on, Chris! I'm a liar. You can't trust anything I say. All right, we're out of here. Thanks for watching and listening, everybody. We'll talk to you tomorrow with some quarterback reflections from the 2021 season. Get losing track of my years. And uh, make sure you subscribe to Fantasy Football Today in 5. Make sure you vote for us in that link that I'm putting in the episode description for Jamie and Chris. I'm Adam. It's the NFL offseason, but on Pick 6, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, the football season never stops. Host Will Brinson, John Breach, and Tyler Sullivan are joined by analysts like Brady Quinn, Leslie Ducible, Katie Mox, and R.J. White to keep you in the loop on everything happening around the league. Whether it's free agents signing with new teams, the all-important NFL draft, or schedule release day, Pick 6 has you covered. As the face of the league changes with every team move and player pickup this spring, Pick 6 is a must-listen. Download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and anywhere podcasts are found.